Welcome to the Giants Huddle, a New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmelk, and welcome to another episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. Today's guest, former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker. But first, I want to remind you, you can find the Giants Huddle podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe at us to your favorites. If you like what you hear and you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review. You can find all Giants podcast offerings at Giants.com slash podcast. And before we get going, I just need to remind everybody that all the agreements we speak about on this program are not official. They are all simply reports attributed to the reporters we do for each individual player, and they are all contingent on these players passing physicals sometime in the future. Now let's bring in our guest. He is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. You can hear him on Westwood One, but also the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and the Fantasy Feast Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, all one word. Ross, we appreciate you giving us the time in these difficult times. How are you surviving, my friend? Yeah, John, doing doing well. Thank you for asking. I hope the same for you and your family and everybody listening. I know a lot of people in New York metropolitan area especially have been hit really hard by this thing. So wishing all of you as much health and safety as possible and hopefully being able to listen to this podcast and my podcast over at RossTucker.com can help people stay entertained or work as a diversion or whatever. So Kind of like you, John, I'm I'm able to do most of my stuff from home, so very fortunate in that way. Yeah, we are, and we hope to give people as much entertainment and distraction as they can with everything going on in the world, which is really not a lot of fun. So, Ross, uh, let's start with what's going on in free agency, and and let's start with the New York Giants. Uh, They bring in a few players here that they think will move into starting roles and help them right away. First, let's start with James Bradbury, the Giants have agreed to contract terms with cornerback James Bradbury. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the deal is contingent upon Bradbury passing a physical. Obviously, the Giants have a lot of really young cornerbacks on the roster, and Bradbury gives them a player that's in his prime, has started for four years, was drafted by Gabe Gettleman in Carolina, and should really provide a stabilizing force back there for them. Yeah, so I, I really like most of what the Giants have done so far. I, I'd say... Uh, three of the moves I really like, two others I'm a little bit skeptical on. We can get into those, but the Bradbury move I love. I mean, $15 million a year for a guy like him, that just doesn't happen very often. I mean, he was either the top or the, the second best available free agent corner, he and Byron Jones. And, you know, I, I just think $15 million a year for how important that position is and you mentioned it, giving the Giants some stability while they've got young guys like Baker and others at the other spot really, really helps the defense tremendously. I I frankly thought guys like Bradbury and Byron Jones would be getting more like $18, million a year. So to get Bradbury for 15, which is still a million and a half a year less, than what Byron Jones got, you know, even more than that, less than what Darius Slay got. I thought it actually represented pretty good value. And on to Blake Martinez. The Giants have agreed to contract terms with free agent linebacker Blake Martinez, according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo. The deal is, of course, contingent upon Martinez passing a physical. The Giants had let go of Alec Ogletree at the end of February. They needed somebody new in the middle. There were a few guys at the top of the market. Martinez was one. Joe Shorbert and and, and Corey Littleton were others. Uh, What's your take on Martinez as a player, someone we've seen a lot given the fact that Green Bay's been in a lot of prominent games over the past few years? I'm not sure that I would pay that much money for an off-the-ball linebacker. Now, that said... 
He got less money, reportedly, again, than Littleton, who I think is awesome, and Schobert. I put Martinez third of those guys, and I guess he got paid third, so maybe that's maybe that's fair. It is interesting, though. There are a bunch of teams out there, and you know this, John, they don't put a ton of value into the off-the-ball linebackers, but Dave Gettleman always has. You look at when he was in Carolina and the success he had with Luke Keekley as well as Thomas Davis, and even drafting Shaq Thompson. And Gettleman really feels like it is important to have that leader in the middle of the defense, second level of the defense, a run-and-hit guy. I think Martinez is a, a good player. I don't think he's a great player. But I think they just felt like that group, that position group, that meeting room, needed a guy, young, playmaking, you know, that has the leadership that Martinez has. I, I understand why they did it, and when you understand Gettleman's background as well, it makes even more sense. And then you have Kyler Fackrell. The Giants agreed to terms with him, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The deal is, of course, contingent on Fackrell passing his physical. He's somebody that had a quiet year last year after the Packers acquired Preston and Zadarius Smith, so his playing time got cut, Ross. You go back two years, though, 10-plus sacks, and I looked at some of the tape, showed off some nice moves, kind of more of a power rusher, which to me... He looks like a rusher that they'd have in New England, which I guess maybe shouldn't be a surprise given Patrick Graham's the defensive coordinator. That's, you know, the program he's kind of come from. Uh, your thoughts on Fackrell in terms of what you've seen from him over the course of his career? Yeah, so this is probably the move I like the most. Um, I think Fackrell's really good. And I don't think it's Fackrell's fault that the Packers elected to be very aggressive in free agency last year and bring in Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. And maybe he's not quite at the level of those two guys, but those guys got a ton of money. And the Giants bring him in here reportedly for $4.5 million for one year. He is going to be super motivated. It's basically a contract year that he didn't really get last year because he didn't really get a chance to really play all that much. Even so, though, Green Bay still rotated him in at times with Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith. And they don't just hand out ten and a half sacks, John. Like nobody gets ten and a half sacks by accident. Now maybe you could say some of them are hustle sacks or some of I don't care. You know what I mean? Like they, 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 there aren't that many dudes ever that have double digit sacks. So he's got that on his resume. Let's put it this way. If he had been a free agent after his third year when he had ten and a half sacks, he would have gotten more than double what he got from the Giants. I mean, he would have gotten uh, probably 3x of what he's getting financially. So really, really like this move. I think he'll be supremely motivated, and I think he's going to have a pretty good year rushing the passer. My favorite move the Giants have made so far. All right, let's go on to the next one. Cameron Fleming, the Giants um, reported to have agreed to terms with Cam Fleming pending a physical, according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. And he's somebody that has started nearly two, two full seasons worth of games, Ross. Now, traditionally a backup. He started a bunch of games at both right tackle and then at left tackle for the Cowboys after being more of a right tackle for the Patriots. Uh, to me, he's kind of like the perfect swing tackle, but now the Giants are in a position, and we could talk more about the offense line a little bit later, where he's probably going to have a chance to compete for that starting right tackle job, at least as the roster stands now. Yeah, this is another move I really liked. Um, I, 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 I like value. I think Fackrell and Cam Fleming were my two favorite moves. Now, in fairness, they're only one-year deals, so those guys might be able to leave after a year, 
But there's something to be said, too, for signing guys to a one-year deal so that they are hungry, so that you are dangling the carrot, if you will, so that he's going to do whatever he can to win that starting job and be able to have a nice year and maybe get a really nice contract. And by the way, if he does, then perhaps the Giants are able to get a compensatory pick in return, or maybe the Giants say, you know what, we want that nice contract to be here. You know, he's proven his worth to us. I've always thought he was starting caliber. You know, when the Cowboys got him from New England, that's because they thought they might need a starter at right tackle. They ended up moving Lyle Collins, and so they didn't really need that, but he was able to play both right and left. So what he is, I think he is, Absolutely a starting caliber right tackle. Now, I don't think he's above average, but I think he's average, and I think to get an average starting tackle for a reportedly $4 million is great. And if, worst-case scenario, you know, the Giants get another guy at tackle, maybe in the draft, and Fleming becomes a swing tackle, that's a very valuable position in today's NFL. I mean, there's a reason why... You know, like the Eagles had a guy like Vitae that just got $50 million over five wow. years from the Lions as a swing tackle to now start in Detroit. That, that position's important. It gives them a little bit of flexibility with what they do in the draft, with Soldier's contract, and more. So I, I really liked the Fackrell and Fleming signings. You know, those are the type of signings, John, that nobody really talks about that much because it's not huge money. They, they're not long-term deals. Everybody wants to talk about Brad Barry and Martinez, and I get that. But I thought those were two of the moves I really, really like. You know, getting a, guy, a couple guys that are going to start, I think, for this football team for $4 million bucks, and I think play at, at, a, at a pretty high level. What do you think, Ross, and we're joined by Ross Tucker, do you think this Giants team is going to look like this year in terms of scheme on both sides of the ball we obviously don't know a whole lot and who knows when we're going to find this out because we don't know when practices are going to happen and OTAs if they're going to happen at all how do you think they're going to try to win games do you think Joe Judge is going to implement a high-flying offensive attack to score a lot of points are they going to try to grind it out and win games that way how do you envision Joe Judge trying to win football games this year I think it's going to be a little bit uh, dependent on what they do in the draft, although I think you make a good point. You know, Giants have a high first-round pick, high second-round pick. I would, you'd like to think both those guys could be starters, but, you know, at this rate, who knows when the first practice is training camp. So that, that makes it hard when they're missing OTAs and everything like that. And obviously, we're in uncharted territory in that regard. In general, I would say I'm probably higher on the Giants than most people. I really like Daniel Jones. I think in year two, he's going to play well. You know, Saquon was not himself most of the year last year, and I do think that they'll try to build the offense around him. I think Joe Judge right now looks at his D-line and Saquon as the strength of the team, and it's funny because it kind of goes back to even like when I would play against New England, and they had Vince Wilfork and Ty Warren and Richard Seymour. You know, I look at Leonard Williams and Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence, and I really think their ability up front to stop the run is, is going to be significant. Now, they got to get there in terms of the pass rush, which is where fat rule, maybe even a draft choice, comes in. That's going to be key. And then our offense, you know, I think they're going to have 
Daniel Jones, open it up a little bit more, but still run this thing this thing through Saquon Barkley. I don't think that the Giants are going to win games, you know, 34-31. I, I think they're going to win games, you know, 20 to 13 with a with a rock solid defense, especially now that they got Bradbury and with, you know, controlling the football with Saquon Barkley both in the run game and the passing game. You mentioned Daniel Jones and you liked his rookie year. Where do you think, Ross, that he needs to improve to kind of take that next step as a player and become that, you know, Pro Bowl type quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, you already know this, everybody listening, he just, he can't turn the ball over like that, especially the fumbles. I mean, ball security, if you just think about if he can just cut those fumbles in half, you know, the difference that that'll make. I mean, just think off the top of your head, he cuts those fumbles in half, Saquon's healthy, you got to, you know, and, and, you know, who knows, maybe Saquon won't be healthy, hopefully he is, but you just think of those two things right there, that's got to be at least a couple more wins if you're a Giants fan right there just off the top of your head. And and that obviously the chances for more, I would think that, you know, they're, they're going to get, either a, a pass rusher or a big-time offensive tackle at four if they don't trade back. And then at 36, I think they can get a starting wide receiver. And that, Easily. so many unbelievable receivers that they're going to be able to get somebody. Maybe it's even like a K.J. Hamler from Penn State who is absolutely dynamic with the ball in his hands. Those guys are going to be available at 36. So um, I would imagine they get uh, – a front seven guy, you know, probably, in my mind, an offensive tackle, but it could be a, a guy on defense. But O-lineman or D-lineman at number four if they don't trade back. And even if they do trade back, I would think that they would get one of those guys. And then at 36, probably be able to get a wide receiver, which I think would really, really help them, you know, to go along with. I, I was so impressed with what Slayton did last year, kind of out of nowhere. So you have Slayton, Shepard, and maybe uh, the 36th pick, and you know we'll see what they do with Golden Tate. Absolutely. All right, well, let's uh, dive into the draft a little bit, Ross, before we get into what else has been going on around the NFL and free agency before we say goodbye. Um, at, the, at number four, I was at the Combine. I talked to dozens of people, and I could not find any consensus on how to rank these top four offensive tackles in this draft that many think will go in the top 12 or top 10. How do you see them? Yeah, I, I like Jedrick Wills from Alabama the best, and I and I think he fits what the Giants would want to do with Saquon the most as well. He is just so explosive in his lower body. Um, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the ideal length that people look for because he's six four, but he's got pretty long arms for six four, and he's just so powerful that I, I think he's the best, most consistent guy. Love him at right tackle. I think after that, I'd probably go with Makai Becton from Louisville. You know, we've just seen guys like that succeed in the NFL. He is ginormous, and he moves pretty well. Now, he's raw at times, but honestly, with how big he is, if you just teach him how to set right, right, if you just take <laughs> the right pass set, it's just hard for people to get around him. And he can be an absolute weapon in the running game. So either one of those guys I'd be really happy with if I'm a Giants fan because I think for Saquon Barkley, they're going to be absolute weapons in the running game at the point of attack. 
After that, I'd go Tristan Wirfs. I really like Wirfs. He just is a little bit, um, a little bit mechanical or robotic at times, which is weird because his testing numbers are off the charts. Yep. But just because you have a crazy vertical jump or broad jump doesn't mean you slide your feet side to side as well as you'd like to. You know what I mean? Like, there's different types of athletes, right? So he is an explosive, an unbelievable explosive athlete, but he doesn't always look as light on his feet to me, which I think is interesting. So at any rate, I, like I said, I, I would take, um, I'd have him third probably, and then probably Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who I do think is pretty smooth at four. Ross, I've never seen tape like the tape I saw of Makai Becton. When I say he's tossing guys out of the club, it's not defensive backs. He's tossing like I've never seen so many outside linebackers and defensive ends literally go airborne because of a player like I saw when I watched Makai Becton on tape this year. It was unbelievable. It's incredibly fun to watch. Um, As a former offensive lineman, like, I love watching it. That said, you know, when you see the highlights, you're just seeing the highlights. Of course. Right? So you're, you're just seeing the home runs. He does have some strikeouts, too. So with Becton, you're really going for the upside, but a little bit raw and a little bit more of a concern that he might have some swings and misses. Whereas Wills and even, I would say, Andrew Thomas, a little bit more consistent. So it depends on, it depends on what your flavor is, right? Do you want to go for the upside and, and think you can get him to be consistent? Or would you rather have Wills, who already is consistent? Yeah, I talk to Shona Harrow a lot. He watches these guys, and he said, you know, Becton, he crosses his feet a lot on those outside zone runs, which is a problem, and some of his pass sets aren't great. And the thing about Andrew Thomas, he's boring. Like, I watched Becton first, and the next guy I watched was Andrew Thomas, and I was bored stiff because he's so consistent in what he does, and he's really good at it. I'm not trying to say he's a bad player, but you're right. If you want that safe offensive tackle, Ross, that you know what he's going to give you and he's going to be a good starter, uh, you can't go wrong with Andrew Thomas, so I'm with you. Wills is my favorite guy. I think he is the perfect combination of, of kind of that physicality in the run game, and he gets his hands inside on his pass sets. How long has it been since you've seen a group like this? You know, I'd have to go back and look at it, to be honest with you. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's, I mean, there's four guys that could easily go top ten. Nobody would be surprised if they did. You know, I talked to a coach at Georgia that told me, you know, the whole time that they had seen him, he only ever, Andrew Thomas only ever got beat twice. Like, he's talking about every one-on-one in practice, every practice rep, like, wow. literally only ever got beat, like, once or twice ever. Ever. So I thought that was pretty good. And that was before last season. But still, that's what he was telling me about Andrew Thomas's first couple years in college football in Georgia. In practice, nobody could beat him. Nobody could ever beat him, ever, which says a lot about him. But, yes, it's a very, very good class. And, you know, we'll see what the Giants do. They are in a pretty good spot there, drafting number four, with teams below them like the Dolphins and the Chargers seemingly set up to get quarterbacks, the Giants could easily move down if that becomes the spot. Although, who knows, maybe a team jumps in front of them and goes to Detroit. 
to be able to get the quarterback they want. But the Giants could easily move down and still get uh, a really, really good tackle, maybe even the number one tackle if they'd like. Last one on the offensive lineman, Ross. From the next group, is there anybody that you like that maybe if the Giants go without Isaiah Simmons, say at number four, and I'd like your take on him as well, um, where maybe they could get an offensive lineman or an offensive tackle specifically at the top of round two? Yeah, I think there are some guys available. I think if you're looking for a right tackle, the other guy from Georgia, Isaiah Wilson, um, I did the SEC championship game a couple years ago. Could not believe how big that dude was. <laughs> like I'm telling you right now, if a team had Mackay Becton at left and Isaiah Wilson at right tackle, that would be the biggest offensive tackle duo in the history of the NFL. Like Isaiah Wilson is big, big, and has a lot of the same traits I said about Becton in terms of just when you're that size, that long. Um, I think he could be a pretty good right tackle, and, I, and my guess is he'll be available at the top of, of round two. Uh, there's also the Ezra Cleveland from Boise State, although some people think he goes in round one now. Wow. That's the thing, too, is you never know how it shakes out at the end of round one versus the top of round two, but I do think guys like that could be available. Isaiah Simmons, how important, Ross, is it for a team to have an idea of exactly how they want to use him if they do want to make him a top pick in the draft? Really important uh, because, you know, it's great to be enamored with a guy's physical ability and all the things he can do, but if your coach doesn't have a really good plan of doing all those things with him, are you really getting the value there? Now, Patrick Graham's background and where he's been, he's, seen how hybrid players are used before. Um, I also think, you know, when you think of Dave Gettleman's background and how much he loves what they got from guys like Keekley and Thomas Davis and even Shaq Thompson recently, Dave Gettleman knows how much of a difference run and hit linebackers like that can have. You know, playmaking linebackers can have on a defense I think they thought maybe they would get that in Alec Ogletree. That was not the case. I think they're hoping to get something close to that in Blake Martinez. I'm not sure that they're going to. Isaiah Simmons is just a totally, totally different dude. I mean, the highlights of him like chasing down receivers from behind is some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. What do you think the Patriots end up doing at quarterback, and where do you think Jameis Winston winds up landing here? I think that the Patriots are probably going to sign Brian Hoyer. I think that they think, you know, at least for right now, they're not going to trade to pay Andy Dalton $17 million or whatever he's supposed to get. They know they can get Hoyer, who I'm sure will gladly come back for like 4 or $5 million, and the Patriots probably don't think there's enough of a difference, especially in their system with no offseason, between Hoyer and Dalton to pay Dalton $12 million more, especially when Jared Stidham might be ready and better than both of them. I think Hoyer's perfect. You bring Hoyer back, he can mentor Stidham. If he's significantly better and Stidham's not ready, then you play Hoyer. If Stidham's ready, you play him. They already have a bunch of dead cap money this year. It's probably going to be a little bit more of a, a retooling year for the Patriots anyway. I think it's a good year to get Stidham a lot of experience and see if he can be the starter for 2021 and beyond anyway. So I think they're going to get Hoyer. As for Jameis Winston, man, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Redskins maybe, Chargers maybe, you know, as, as an option. If, you know, Haskins Insurance maybe in, in Washington or for the Chargers in case their first-round pick's not ready. 
Um, but there's not a really good landing spot for him right now, and nobody really wants a quarterback that turns the ball over that much. It makes it really hard to win. Sticking with the quarterback, Carousel Ross, and this relates back to the draft, if Tua is gone when the Giants get the four, either the Redskins take him outright or the Lions trade out and someone takes him at three, do you think one of these other teams, whether it's the Chargers, the Dolphins, whomever, will like either Herbert or Love enough to want to move up to the giant spot to get one of those guys if both Tua and Burrow are gone. Yeah, so I'd be really surprised if the Redskins took a quarterback. Yeah, me too. So I think if a quarterback goes at three, it is Tua, and it is the Chargers or Dolphins that moved up. So my sense is at that point, the other one will just wait and take Herbert. I don't think there's another team out there that really desires a quarterback that much. I don't think anybody else will think they have to move up. I don't see another team that wants to take a quarterback in the top 10 like that. So at that point, if I'm the Dolphins or the Chargers, I just sit tight and expect the Giants to draft somebody else. And I wait for the next quarterback, likely Herbert, to come to me. So, unfortunately, I don't think the Giants' position will have as much value in terms of trading back if someone trades ahead of them to get Tua, which I I think there's a pretty good chance that that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. How do you think Bruce Arians is going to have to adjust his scheme? I know this sounds crazy to fit Tom Brady, but look, I've watched Tom Brady a ton. I know you have too, Ross. He, you know, he's still a great quarterback, but I don't think he has the arm that he used to. And Bruce Arians likes to get the ball downfield. How do you see that matchup in terms of what Arians like to do and what Brady is good at? Yeah, so I think I think they can still throw the deep ball. Um, I don't, you know, when when quarterbacks lose their their arm a little bit, it's not really the deep ball because that's timing and putting air underneath the ball. It's really more about. Um, you know, the deep outs, the yeah. deep in cuts, you know, like the throws you have to really line drive. I don't see Brady doing as much of that. I think it's going to be more of the middle of the field, dink and dunk, and then taking deep shots via play action. I think Brady's really happy doing that, will do that. Their tackles are not great, but the interior offensive line's really good, which is actually more important for Brady because what's big to him is. He's so good at stepping up that if you can keep the middle of the pocket firm for him and he can step up, that really is what he wants to do. So I think that they'll very much adapt. You'll see a lot more underneath stuff. You know, whoever they end up having at slot receiver is going to be very important. You know, whether that's Godwin, they slide him inside or whatever, that'll really make a difference. But I think Arians is going to talk with Tom, know what he likes to do, and adjust his offense a lot. He can still take those shots, but they're going to be sort of designed play-action shot plays as opposed to, you know, Jameis chucking it downfield a lot. Where do you think Jadavian Clowney winds up? Is the issue with his physical and not being able to really take a look at him what you think is making teams resist, paying him the money that he wants to get paid? No, I don't think that's what it is. I had Greg Cosell on uh, on Friday's Ross Tucker football podcast, and I thought he made a good point. Clowney's not really your prototypical edge rusher. Like, if all you do is have Clowney rush off the edge, 
think you're probably going to be disappointed yep. in what his sack numbers are and quarterback hit numbers. Where he's become special is when teams utilize him as sort of a joker player, moving him around and, and being able to make plays that way. You know, I've seen a report that the Seahawks have offered him $18.5 million. If that's the case, I think he'll end up going there. Um, I don't think that the sports hernia surgery is that big of a deal. I mean, a lot of guys have had that. I actually had that after my senior year at Princeton. I went to Rutgers. Dr. Boyarski did my hernia surgery. I, you know, most guys come back from it. I don't think the physical is that big of a deal, knowing that that's what he had. Now, listen, there's other things. There's thoughts that he had microfracture, so that might be more of the issue. People want to really see what he's got left in his knees is more of the issue than, than the injury he dealt with last year. Ross, how do you think a team like the Giants that's trying to install a new offense and defense with a coach, a new coach, and new coordinators, how are they going to be impacted from a player perspective? You tell me. You've been through these offseason programs. You have to learn new offenses. You know what it's like. If they don't get their hands on these guys until the summer, how much can they actually do, you know, via, you know, meeting with these guys over the internet via Skype video conference, sending playbooks out to actually have these guys ready. How much of these teams that have new coaches going to be behind because of the circumstances everyone is dealing with? Well, you're absolutely going to be behind. I don't know how much they can use the technology part of it, either because of the rules or just because of where things are now. You know, I retired in 2008, right? So it's a whole different world now. Um, I don't know what the NFL will do. Maybe the NFL will relax the rules a little bit to let them do more stuff virtually, but it's still not the same as getting the physical reps and being out there. Now, the thing is, is in training camp, you always start from scratch and start to install things, Right. you know, a couple plays a day anyway. The difference is it's the second or sometimes third time these guys have seen it, whereas now this will be the first time these guys have seen it. So you'll probably just see more mental errors early in the season would be my guess because they just won't have as many reps going through this stuff. Well, and especially, and I guess it would be my final question, Ross, we have a new CBA, and the amount of time on the field at training camps even further reduced now. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic as these teams try to navigate those new rules along with the unique challenges of uh, you know COVID-19 to get their teams ready for the season. Hopefully, and I'm knocking on wood right now, the season starts on time. Yeah, man, that's uh, I think everybody's hoping that that's the case. And I think if everybody does their part, staying safe and staying home yep. as much as they possibly can, hopefully that will be the case. But yeah. Now, the good news is they can still be out on the field. It's just less padded practices. So, you know, they can still get the mental reps and still go through it. They're just not, you know, smashing into each other when they're doing it. All right, Ross, tell the people one more time where they can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you can follow me on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the whole deal. All of the podcasts are available at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found like this one. So, if you want a former player's opinion on the latest NFL news, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast is daily. So every day, it's like 30 minutes. You get my take on everything going on around the NFL. Then I got, uh, John already mentioned the Fantasy Feast Podcast. For those of you that like fantasy, and with the draft coming up, we've got the College Draft Podcast getting you ready for the draft in late April as well. So check them all out. 
RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found. He is the king of NFL podcasting. He's Ross Tucker. We thank him for joining us on this week's edition of the Giants Huddle. Thanks so much for having me. That's Ross Tucker. Does a great job covering the NFL. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle podcast. You can find on the Giants mobile app, Giants.com slash podcast. And of course, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for the Giants Huddle podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review if you like what you hear. Thank you for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Everybody, please stay safe, be smart, and we can all get through this together. We appreciate you being with us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.